2: It was all about politics uh, and and was never about science. Scientists around the world are speaking out about how they were ignored, even silenced, when they suggested a lab leak in 2020. Author Lord Ridley says it was tied to funding. Senior scientists quietly saying to me, We think you're right, that it does need to be taken seriously, but we don't
3: say so because the funding agencies might give us a hard time.
2: The lab leak theory has now become mainstream, but for a long time it was rejected, and according to leading German physicist Professor Roland Weissendanger, by those at the very top. And if famous and top virologists are not sticking to the truth anymore, then we have no basis in science anymore to make progress. Despite having found evidence that a lab leak was likely, even as Established medical journals refused to publish scientists' work, including by Australian professor Nikolai Petrovsky. Getting blanket rejections from editors saying, too hot to handle. Others were told it would harm relations with China, who have large influence over the medical community and research papers. There was a, a concern about offending China and people didn't want to Um, you know, upset that relationship. And while evidence grew, mainstream media rejected them too. You weren't allowed to discuss this possibility on Facebook. Wikipedia pretty well censored
3: it. The New York Times and other outlets basically said that's a conspiracy theory, that's been already debunked.
2: There was also a fear that if this was caused by gain-of-function research, according to Israeli biotechnologist Ronan Shemesh, science itself would be harmed. When they show that science could create something so malicious, this is a very big obstacle for the scientific community. Many scientists who debunked the idea knew all along that a lab leak was a real possibility. We got our headshot um, from every direction, um, from people who we now know Uh, were actually thinking exactly the same thing. And as the silence continued through 2020, many say it was all political. They feared that this might help uh, former President Donald Trump. Finally, however, three long years into this pandemic, there are growing calls for an investigation to find out what exactly went wrong.
1: All right, that was Benjamin Hall of... Fox News. And Fox News has been actually doing a series uncovering the truth about the COVID origins and actually speaking out in new and fresh ways. More of their personalities are beginning to talk about it. Fox was as bad as any network in the initial stages about shutdowns and uh, the fear and the effect of the vaccine. And so I'm glad to hear that. And now, But listen to that. That's scientists from all over the world now speaking out about how they were silenced about what they were finding. And if you think that they were silenced about the origins uh, of the virus in that Wuhan lab, you don't think they were silenced about the effect of the vaccines, about the damage that the vaccines are doing? Well, you need to think twice if you think that 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 can't possibly be true. Let me just point out that they talk about how the funding, uh, they were afraid for funding, they would lose the funding. Well, who was doing most of the funding? His name is Dr. Anthony Fauci. He is the one who has distributed and held the purse strings over this kind of research for the last several decades. And remember that uh, exchange between Francis Collins, the head of the NIH, and Dr. Fauci about um, how they needed to hush up any conversation about the uh, the, the uh, their experimentation with gain of function, which was to make the... It was experimenting with viruses to make them more virulent, more, more susceptible, worse in humans. That's exactly what they were doing uh, in the guise of trying to be able – being able to manage. Uh, it, it was just the height of hubris. And Actually, when you think about it, it was the height of hubris for Dr. Anthony Fauci and Francis Collins to think that they could hide – what they were doing, and yet they thought they could. And they, just, they actually sent an email that they wanted to destroy uh, the, the doctors that were speaking out. Uh, that Couldn't we do something? We need to just start a campaign to discredit them. And that's what they did. So this is really scandal. It's a worldwide scandal. It has caused the death of hundreds of thousands of people. And I'm not sure exactly how this is going to end up, but I think uh, personally, I think it needs to end up in some sort of like Nuremberg trial. Uh, for atrocities on the globe uh, by the men responsible and um anyway that's so uh, that that's a great report and actually Adam let's put that on our getter page so people can listen to it again it's got a lot of stuff in it and it will be very helpful to share it with people that are doubters about what we've been saying all of this time. And I want to give you a couple of other... I was just telling uh, the guys before we went on the air, I could do an entire hour on, you know, what I have in this opening, but I'm going to try to give it to you quickly because it's all important. A Japanese uh, company has just completed a study that shows that ivermectin is safe and effective for treating Omicron. And... uh, you know, the thing of it is, ivermectin has been used by the World Health Organization for over 30 years to treat parasitic infections. It has been very effective. We know that people are dying because hospitals are refusing to let them take ivermectin. And this is not the only study. There were some 70 studies prior to this, official studies that showed that ivermectin was very effective. And you heard the testimony of like Dr. Ben Marble on the show yesterday about how he's had a 99% success rate in treating people through MyFreeDoctor.com. And yet um, Mayo Clinic, um, Vanderbilt and Nashville, um, hospitals in Michigan, all around the country, Are you know uh, not? They can't make money on ivermectin. It's just too cheap, you see. And so they give uh, remdesivir at thirty one hundred dollars a dose, which actually causes renal failure and ends up effectively taking the life of many many patients. And so it is a twisted, twisted narrative story that we've been living—a nightmare. And remember that you, if you get COVID, you can still get treatment. uh, You can still get ivermectin. Uh, go to myfreedoctor.com, go to FLCCC, that's Frontline Critical Care. There are lots of places to go. Just don't stand by idly, do something about it. All right, so another study came down, and this is from, uh, this is from, uh, uh, not in Japan, it's in, it's in the U.S. It's a, Hang on, John, Johns Hopkins. Their study says that lockdowns had little or no impact on COVID-19 deaths. And they have the, you know, the the stats here. Um, They said lockdowns during the early phase probably reduced COVID-19 mortality by about 0.2%. We find no evidence that lockdowns, school closures, border closures, and limited gatherings have had a noticeable effect on COVID-19 mortality. Uh, But they said that the lockdowns have had devastating effects on the economy and contributed to numerous social ills. And there's a lot more to that, but um, that is in the Washington Times. It's a great article. We'll put that on our Getter page as well. And the last but not least in terms of just news on this is, um, nevertheless, the COVID vaccine uh, oligarchs are moving full steam ahead. Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine could be available for children, Lucky for us, under five, as soon as next month. How thrilling. We can now give this poison injection to our children. Um, we can now, you know, a, 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 our babies can be uh, have fertility problems and heart problems and whatever else is going to be long-term from these shots because they're going to make it available to children. And by the way, just let me give you the stats. The... Children make up 18.6% of all cases. I believe this is, yeah, this is worldwide, 18.6% of all cases. That means they've been diagnosed with it, nothing more than that. But children only represent 1.6 to 4.4 of all COVID-19 hospitalizations, and of deaths, 0% to 0.025%. And so, um, yeah, but we have to give them a vaccination. It has to happen right away. It's uh, life-threatening. It's uh, money-making is what it is, and it's deadly. All right, so those are three important stories. Uh, The truckers in Canada, (laughs) what what a story. What a story. I'm fascinated by what they're doing. And uh, Donald Trump did a shout-out to them on, uh, was it Saturday night that he spoke uh, in Texas and um, so CNN had to jump in on uh, their view of the Tuckers and the link to Donald Trump clip six. Given the potential risk, Jim, Justin Trudeau and his family, he has three kids, live about a mile from Parliament Hill. They have now been moved somewhere. We don't know where. It's an undisclosed location out of an abundance of caution. Um, I will also say that former President Trump uh, certainly is supporting this group. I've been out there. I've seen Trump supporter signs out there. And this leads to a larger question. Jim, they're still in the downtown core. Police just released a statement saying, look, we need the trucks to leave. We need people to leave. This city has to start functioning again. uh, and the issue is how to leave. The uh, people who have organized this say that they will stay out there months if needed.
0: All right. And we know you'll stay on top of it, uh, alarming situation there in Ottawa. Uh, Paula Newton, thank you very much. It's
1: alarming. How could, how dare people in Canada object to mandates? How dare they do that? How dare 50,000 truckers probably on their own dime uh, drive all the way to Ottawa and convene in the capital just basically to say, don't we know we want to be free. We are against the mandates and all the shutdowns. How dare they say that? They need to get out of the Capitol. This is very inconvenient. You know, Justin Trudeau, their premier, prime minister, their uh, their dear leader, anyway, called the uh, truck convoy a small, fringe minority of people who are lo- holding unacceptable views that they are expressing, and those views do not represent the views of Canadians who have been there for each other. You know, the thing of it is uh, hundreds, thousands, thousands of Canadians Lined the street, the roads the, in freezing sub-zero temperatures in Canada to cheer the the truckers on. Some of them jumped in their cars and drove uh, with the the truckers. It was an amazing thing. That was kind of shut out by the uh, shut out by the media. Oh, bef- just before of course, Justin Trudeau had to hide. He couldn't see them. You know, he said he had COVID, but then he was over COVID. Uh, But, you know, he's uh, they're kind of nasty people and he can't really associate with them. I'll give you an example of what he said. This is clip three.
4: I have attended protests and rallies in the past uh, when I agreed with the goals, when I supported the people uh, expressing their concerns and their issues. Black Lives Matter is an excellent example of that. But I have also chosen to not go anywhere near protests that have expressed hateful rhetoric violence towards fellow citizens, uh, and a disrespect, uh, not just of science, but of uh, the frontline health workers and, quite frankly, the 90% of truckers who have been doing the right thing to keep Canadians safe, to put food on our tables. Uh, Canadians know where I stand. This is a moment for responsible leaders to think carefully about where they stand and who they stand with.
1: Yes, well, that's true. So Responsible leaders would think a little more carefully than Justin Trudeau is thinking. And, of course, he's calling them violent. There was no violence. It was all peaceful. If you've seen any of the videos, it was a lot like a Trump rally. Where people are waving American flags and singing Oh Canada," and uh, Rebel News uh, is led by Ezra Levant. He is a is an outlet in Canada-based, Canada and they're the ones that have really been bringing the truth to the Canadian people because they only have one outlet, mainly Canadian broadcasting. I want you to hear what he had to say when he went before the crowd. It's clip seven.
5: It is cold today, almost as cold as Justin Trudeau's heart. And on behalf of Rebel News, I salute you, and I say keep speaking truth to power, but I want to tell you what excites me the most about this crowd. I see a lot of cameras, a lot of independent journalists, because when people say, what do we do about the media, I say you become the media, that's what you do. So you've got to tell the story yourself. Everyone who is here, everyone who is along the road, has to bear witness and justify to what they saw. Because there's two competing narratives. The government says you're racist. The government says you're sexist. The government says you're violent. violated our civil rights all right that's Ezra Levant, the head of rebel
1: news and that is a great outlet by the way for truth and you can understand why okay we gotta take a break but we'll be right back after this Sandy Rios in the morning
0: This February, you can share heartbeats for the preborn. The Ministry of Preborn's mission is to rescue preborn babies. You see, every heartbeat proclaims our Creator's name. And when a mother considering abortion hears that heartbeat through ultrasound, the message is loud and clear.
3: When I heard her heartbeat,
0: I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. Preborn cries out for the preborn through heartbeats while supporting moms in crisis nationwide. When an expectant mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears the heartbeat, it's a divine encounter. And 80% of the time, she'll choose life for her baby. To find out more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life.
1: This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders.
0: Today we pray for Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer. Justice Breyer has served nearly 28 years on the United States Supreme Court and will be retiring after this current term. Psalm 33:5 reminds us of the importance of justice. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. Right now with this in mind, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to guide Justice Stephen Breyer as he finishes his final term on the U.S. Supreme Court and that he will enjoy a peaceful retirement. We ask this in Jesus' name,
1: amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Get your 2022 Prayer Guide and make this the year of prayer. Available now at pausedopray.org.
3: Hello Americans, I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. You need a university you can trust that offers a world-class education with the values, knowledge, and skills you need to succeed. That place is Liberty University. And now is the perfect time to start. This fall, Liberty is celebrating 50 years of training champions for Christ, a mission that has not wavered since it opened in 1971. With more than 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty can help you turn your vision into a future you can be proud of. Text explore to the number 49596. That's explore to 49596. Joe Rogan, the famous podcaster, is facing a fierce battle with the government and aging musicians. He's been accused of spreading dangerous misinformation about the China virus on his podcast. Spotify caved to the pressure and agreed to put warning labels on any podcast that mentions the virus. There's just one problem, though. What Rogan said and the information his guest provided was not misinformation. In the early days of the pandemic, I was accused by big tech of spreading misinformation. When I said the virus started in a Chinese lab, Google told me that was hate speech. I also interviewed doctors on my radio show who said face masks don't protect people against the virus. Fake news. That's what the fact checkers said at the time. But it turns out I was right, too. The only people spreading misinformation were Dr. Fauci and the CDC. Turns out COVID not only attacks your immune system, it's also attacking your constitutional rights. I'm Todd Stearns. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio.
5: Let me close by saying this. Someone asked me this morning, what's the point? What's going to happen? Why did we all gather in Ottawa? Is he going to listen? Is he going to resign? Is the Governor General going to ask him to step down? No, he'll hold on to power as hard as he can. Let me tell you what I think the point is. The point is the convoy itself. To show that you're not alone. To show that you're not the crazy one, they are. GoFundMe for the truckers, even if they would have canceled that, it was still a success because it was a measurement of how much people cared. You have succeeded just by being here. I, Rebel
1: News. Isn't that, I mean, that's just, you know, I've wondered for a long time where Canada's heart has gone Canada used to have, um, you know, think of the Mounties and the, the nobility, their participation in World War II. Uh, they have really taken a nosedive. You know, uh, part of it started with Justin Trudeau's father, Pierre, uh, who was uh, a leftist of the leftists. And uh, so was his wife, his mom. And so um, it, so this, this to me is like the heart of Canada. It's very multicultural, uh, but united together uh, uh, for freedom. And it's just beautiful. It really is. It's beautiful in Italy when we see people marching for freedom. It's beautiful in Germany when they're having all of those people, the people, just people, people, simple people like me, like you, who kind of recognize truth and champion it and have had enough of lies. And so we should be encouraged. And let me just say, um, in Saskatchewan, the Premier Scott Moe is pledging to end the proof of vaccination policies in the province. He said, my government supports your call to end the cross-border ban on unvaccinated truckers. He said, and that's why in the not-too-distant future, our government will be ending our proof of negative test proof of vaccination policy in Saskatchewan. So that's that's some good news for Canadians. And um, there is a Facebook group that's been put uh, set up called Convoy to D.C., It has now 90,000 followers, and the whole idea, they're trying to encourage American truckers to do the same thing, to start from the West Coast and the East Coast and uh, descend on D.C. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. I want to talk a little bit more about COVID, 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 but this stuff is very important. Let me just say, in the Fairfax County schools, remember that the uh, the new governor uh, uh, in uh, Virginia has issued an executive order, you know, saying that school districts should not be forcing children to be masked anymore. Of course, there are all these rebel school districts. It sounds like Florida, but this is Virginia. And this is a story by Luke Rosiak. Luke has become a friend through his writing. I I love Luke's writing. He has just such a sense of passion and honesty. And so uh, on Tuesday, it was the first day back for Fairfax schools. And I want to read this uh, from uh, Luke to you as much as I can here. Fairfax schools suspend kids... Call police as system defies Virginia governor on masks. Uh, Fairfax County Public Schools made a show of defying Virginia governor Glenn Youngkin's order that schools respect parental rights on masking on Tuesday. By the way, I should be specific. Glenn Youngkin's order said it's up to parents. If they want their kids to be masked, they can be masked. If they don't, they don't have to be. All right. Okay, so... um, It started this way, with an assistant principal standing in front of the school to suspend students without masks and a public relations staffer who said the media was not allowed to watch the conflict between state and local governments play out. At one classroom exterior door, a teacher in a dark mask and a full face plastic shield resembled Darth Vader as she peered through the glass. And after seeing a masked child out front, opened the door a crack to let him in. Providing muscle was a large security guard who inadvertently illustrated parents' concerns by removing his mask to lecture a parent because I can't speak with this thing, end quote. At another point, the security guard lashed out at a former school board member after his own mask caused his glasses to fog up to the point that he could not see who he was talking to. Parent Carrie Lucas, and by the way, I know Carrie carries with Independent Women's Forum. She has children there. Uh, She walked her two children to the front door of Forestville Elementary, their smiling faces visible on school grounds for the first time in two years. She did not make it to the doorway before she was confronted by an assistant principal who said the children would not be allowed in school. Security guard Christian Fuller followed as they retreated to their car. A Fairfax County media liaison demanded that a Daily Wire reporter, that's Luke, Leave, as he wrote down the polite words exchanged between Lucas and the assistant principal, saying that the journalist must go to what she deemed a media staging area. In a residential neighborhood about 50 yards away, and by the way, there was no other media present, Fuller then called the police, saying they would arrest a reporter for being in the school parking lot. Former school board member Tom Wilson, a Republican, intervened to express First Amendment concerns, saying, We'll see, to which Fuller replied, Are you threatening me? Two undercover police cars and one marked patrol car soon arrived at the scene where they were met by the media liaison and Fuller. But then Lucas and her newly delinquent kids were at a neighborhood diner for chocolate pancake by then, Lucas and her newly delinquent kids were at a neighborhood diner for chocolate pancakes and a lesson on civics. And then he goes on and Lucas, uh, he, um, Luke goes on to talk about uh, some of the school's policies prior to that, which I won't go into right now. Um, But uh, this is a description of what's happening in these schools. In Loudoun County on Monday, parents said students have been trained to wear masks nonstop by teachers who bully them and express fear. A parent said one child has become reluctant to take off his mask, saying, I wouldn't want anyone to see my expression. Most Loudoun students interviewed by the Daily Wire on Monday said they disagree with the mask mandate, but would comply anyway for fear of punishment from teachers. Clint Thomas wrote to Loudoun Superintendent Scott Ziegler on Tuesday to say, We have just learned our girls and other maskless students in confinement are now being denied to get water. We're told an administration is an admin is now guarding the door to the uh, to the gym in case anyone tries to leave. Is this now a prison or a school building? And so it's it's bad. It's a battle. It's a battle for it's a battle. And there aren't enough people fighting it. And so I want to point to you. Someone sent me this morning uh, in Virginia. There will be a school board summit. Uh, I'm just I'm just now seeing this. Um, but you have to register if you go to summit.nwef.org, summit.nwef.org, uh you can find it. We'll put that on our getter uh outlet. And um it's a, the idea is encouraging and resourcing new Virginia school board members to serve their communities well. They're recruiting and teaching people how to run and um and and how to fight back. So uh it's going see the date is um February twenty sixth, uh, from eight forty five to four o'clock, and it's at Mount View Church of God in Lynchburg. Okay, so that'll give you an idea. But again, go to the you can get a lot more detail if you go to summit.nwef.org and uh, help them uh, fight back. It's time maybe for you to run for school board or to recruit somebody that you you know somebody that you trust, that you know is a good spokesperson that I can understand the facts. You have to be smart to do this, that's for sure. But that doesn't mean you have to have a PhD. You can be a mom who's all over it, or you can be a, a, a plumber, a carpenter. Really, smarts has nothing to do with your degree. Trust me. I know these things. So um, anyway, that's what's happening in Virginia. All right, so President Trump, to, to change the subject, this is something I've been wanting to update you on for, for several days. Uh, let's do it this way. President Trump, in uh, speaking in Texas on Saturday night, um, uh, gave a shout-out to the detainees from January 6th. Let's listen, clip 12.
5: And another thing we'll do, and so many people have been asking me about it, if I run and if I win, we will treat those people from January 6th fairly. We will treat them fairly. And if it requires pardons, we will give them pardons because they are being treated so unfairly.
1: Yeah, they are being treated unfairly. And we've been talking about that for since since it happened. Uh, we've been talking about how the, the news media covered it, how it was characterized by people inside the Beltway, um, and and mischaracterized, and how people were lied about. It's just been an amazing story, another amazing story, uh, where you know a rebel news could. <laughs> we have we have plenty of outlets here that are doing a really good job of covering what's true about this. So you can find it. Epoch Times this morning uh, has an article. Um, someone opened the doors from the inside so, so says a January 6th defense attorney and we, we will put this on our Facebook page Facebook yeah, for on our getter page uh, so getter gettr you want to sign up for that that's where we're doing most of our posting now and uh, join us and <laughs> we we shall not be uh we shall not be censored on getter all right so uh, Kelly Meggs and other members of the oath keepers could not have done one of the major things of which they're accused of and let me just tell you this way the Columbus doors in the, that lead to the rotunda in the Capitol, are 20,000 pounds. And they are secured by magnetic locks. They can only be opened from the inside using a security code controlled by Capitol Police. Uh, these members of Oath Keepers are being char- uh, charged with, in part, uh, breaking through these doors, and it just wasn't possible. It goes into great detail. Um, Joseph Hanneman wrote this article. He goes into great detail about this, but the attorney, Mosley, let me give him a shout-out. Jonathan Mosley, the defense attorney, is, I think, he's coming out with guns blazing. He said, The outer doors cast from solid bronze would require a bazooka, an artillery shell, or a C4 military-grade explosives to breach. That, of course, could not did not happen. You would sooner break it to a bank vault than to break the bronze outer Columbus doors. Uh, he goes on to say... Um, he says, in court, who is going to testify that the defendants entered the Columbus stores when the U.S. Capitol Police will begrudgingly be grudgingly testify that it is impossible and cannot be done. Um, Meggs and ten other members of Oath Keepers were charged with seditious conspiracy, destruction of government property, obstruction of an official proceeding, civil disorder, tampering with documents, and other counts. <clears throat> excuse me, mostly said that there's one big problem with the accusation about the door. It's impossible to force entry from the outside. Therefore, nobody opened the rotunda doors from the outside. Someone opened the doors from the inside. Anyway, um, there's a lot more to this story. Let's see. I want to make sure I'm not leaving out anything, uh, anything important on this. Oh, he, another example he gives us, someone, just the the the, the way they have gone after people, without kind of, um, any kind of, this is what he writes, this baseless prosecution is the greatest threat to the republic since 1812. This prosecution is not about an attack on our republic. This prosecution is the attack on our republic. Seeking to criminalize political dissent, free speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of political association, and the right to petition government for the redress of grievances. And then um, there is a rabbi, Mike Stepakoff who has been charged with uh, entering and remaining in a restricted building, disorderly and disruptive conduct in a restricted building, violent entry and disorderly conduct in a Capitol building, parading, demonstrating or picketing in a Capitol building, and all misdemeanors. And here's the way, here's what we know from the video. On his way out, he did, Rabbi Mike Stepakov spent about five minutes inside the Capitol, doing nothing more than looking around and taking photos. On his way out, Stepakov stopped to shake hands with a police officer, told him, Thank you for his service. We love you, and God bless you. And then uh, he was charged, he finally pleaded guilty to parading and received 12 months of probation. Uh, So that's just one story, but now I have another one for you that I think is, uh, I have to, to, uh, yes, I've got to tell you lots of things quickly here if I can. This is complicated, but there is new footage uh, that uh, shows exactly what happened, at least as much as we can know at this point of when Ashley Babbitt was shot by the Capitol Police officer. Ashley Babbitt is the only one that was killed that day, in spite of what you're hearing in the reports, and I'm not going to go through the mantra of all that, but she was the only one. She was murdered. We were able to actually see that on camera, see her lying there, just losing her life. It was an amazing moment. And she's been sort of, uh, you know, they whisked her body out of the Capitol. Uh, They wouldn't allow uh, an autopsy. It's just – it's been an amazing story, and we were led to believe that she was like an out-of-control protester. Ashley Babbitt was actually – you know, uh, she was a veteran of the military. She was a military policeman. And now that we're seeing uh, more video uh, that has been released, we're seeing that just a few minutes before Ashley was shot, there were at least three uh, policemen who were guarding the doors to the, uh, the speaker's chamber who just suddenly decided to leave their post. And you can see it in the video. They just suddenly leave it. And then videos show um, the guy that broke, one of the guys that broke that window is a guy named uh, Zachary Alam. Well, I don't know, Alam. Zachary, A-L-A-M. He broke those two windows, and you can see in a still shot that Ashley punches him in the face, uh, sending his glasses flying. You can see this in the video. She's trying to stop them. She's very upset. And her husband had said before that he thought, uh, she is claustrophobic, and he thought that she was trying to get out of danger when she climbed through that window. And it looks like he may be exactly right. Uh, she was in there trying to stop them from causing this destruction. And uh, you can see this on the video. This, um, this outlet is This is in a lot of outlets, and I'm not sure which one I'm reading, to be honest with you. Gateway Pundit is a good place to find that. That's one of those. Uh, and they show you the video, the videos that they're releasing and still shots also. So that's a lot more, that's a little different than what we've been hearing about Ashley Babbitt, isn't it? Okay, so um, this is the one, the story I want, this is from Julie Kelly, who's of course been writing about individuals and their circumstances, and I want to read to you what this one that she wrote, this is so beautifully written, honestly, I want to read the first part of it. She says, when politics is your religion and government is your God, a public building is your church. The four-hour disturbance at the U.S. Capitol building on January 6th, according to Beltway Aristocracy and the media, wasn't a legitimate protest that turned violent in some areas. It was a sacrilege. Never mind that the building itself sustained minimal damage. Early reports estimated $30 million for repairs, but the actual figure is around $1 million. The real vandalism occurred when thousands of Americans wearing MAGA hats invaded the cathedral of government power occupied by America's political deity. And she uh, she gives illustrations of this to remind us. I do remember that in general, but she gives specifics. Uh, for instance, uh, Nancy Pelosi said, to those who engage in the gleeful desecration of this, our temple of democracy, American democracy, justice will be done. Congressman Mario Diaz-Ballart from Florida tweeted, the Capitol building is the center and sacred symbol of democracy. Richard Durbin, the senator from Illinois, said this sacred place was desecrated by a mob today on our watch. Um, he said that it was defiled by thugs. Ed Markey said this is a sacred chamber and on and on and on. We, There's a lot more, but that's enough. You get the idea, and we know this is true. They are godless, and uh, their own government, their version of government, they are the rulers, the authorities. They are the high priestesses, and that's why you know even Mitch McConnell was so offended that people should be at, at an attack on democracy. Because the people came to say to him, uh, we want we want you to pay attention to these states that are saying that these electoral votes are wrongly decided. And we want to do something about it. This is the moment to do something about it. How dare they do that? How dare they, you know, try to stop democracy? And democracy, too, Mitch McConnell is his rule over us. And he's not any different than the Democrats in this. Yeah, so... Um, but let me go on to this particular because she talks about uh, a guy that's uh, – Joshua Rothstein is a prosecutor uh, in several cases, I think. Uh, hang on a second. Robert Reeder is the guy he's prosecuting, one of them. He's a Maryland man whose life has been ruined since he was charged with Ford misdemeanors related to his participation. The attack on the U.S. Capitol was one of the only times in our history when the building was literally occupied by hostile participants – Assistant U.S. Attorney Joshua Rothstein wrote in an August filing, the defendant chose to be part of the desecration of the Capitol Rotunda. The defendant stood in the center of the Rotunda where Ruth Bader Ginsburg, John Lewis, Ronald Reagan, Dwight Eisenhower, John F. Kennedy, and Abraham Lincoln, among others, lied in state. I think that's kind of funny because the grammar, they lay in state. They didn't lie in state. But um, you know he's a he's a Harvard-trained attorney. So what the defendant chose to record and celebrate at that place at that time was antithetical to the events that most Americans associate with the Capitol Rotunda. And so this is the story of Josh Reed. Uh, oh, Josh Joshua Rosenstein get went to Columbia Law School, not Harvard. Reader, the one he's prosecuting, was a FedEx truck driver until the company fired him after his arrest, and now he can't find another job. As he said during his sentencing hearing last Friday, he is radioactive, so he cannot afford to throw himself a 40th birthday party. Like Joshua Rothstein, just a Rothstein's party held at a rented-out D.C. restaurant was complete with truffles and monogram cookies and attended by former Homeland Security Director Jay Johnson and other Beltway bigwigs. In fact, Robert Reeder, thanks to people like Joshua Rothstein and his journal Pals, doesn't have many friends anymore. Reader's teenage son, who shares his father's name, doesn't want to go to school. He's bullied because his father's involvement on January 6th, even though Reader didn't attack anyone or vandalize any property. Reader's family and neighbors have abandoned him, too. As Reader tearfully explained to a federal judge on Friday, even his church told him to stop coming because he was a distraction. That's tough because it was my support group, Reader told Judge Thomas Hogan. Who? ignored Reeder's desperate plea for compassion and sentenced him to three months in prison for pleading guilty to one count of parading in the Capitol building. Rothstein, who wanted Reeder in jail for six months, told the court that Reeder walked around like he was a congressman on January the 6th. Then Julie goes into a long opining about, no, he didn't because congressmen have been the ones who have been destroying this country. Um... I could go on and on, but her piece is so excellent. We will put this on Getter also. Our representatives, not J6 protesters, defile the sacred U.S. Capitol. It is a powerful piece, one of her best, and we will put that on Getter so that you can read and share it. Um, Well, There will be more to tell you, and we're going to get into also all, all kinds of election information is coming out. I mean, we are finding out so much information. Catherine Ingerbrecht will be joining us the first part of next week. Uh, She's the one that President Trump gave a uh, shout-out last Saturday night. She's been doing True the Vote for a number of years. I've known Catherine for a long time, and she's going to join us and talk to us about what's happening around the country. The wheels are coming off the bus about this being a big lie that the election was stolen. Okay, stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
0: Can we trust the Bible? He says, we saw this. And that sets the Bible apart from almost everything else in the ancient world and its religious pantheon of gods and goddesses. The God Who Speaks, the important documentary from the American Family Association, is now available to watch for free on AFA's brand new streaming platform. Go to thegodwhospeaks.org to watch this award-winning film today. thegodwhospeaks.org.
4: Hi, this is Dan Celia from Financial Issues. We as God's people need to be good stewards of all that He has given us. That is so important and that's what drives me each day as I break down the latest financial numbers and talk to listeners across the country about their use of the money that God has entrusted to them. Join me each morning from 8 to 10 Central and Saturday mornings at 10 o'clock Central Time for Financial Issues right here on American Family Radio.
5: There were added that day about 3,000 souls. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The day of Pentecost concluded with 3,000 converts being added to the initial body of 120 believers. Then that 3,120 spent time together daily going to the temple and interacting in each other's homes. They devoted themselves continually to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, sharing meals together, and praying together. The 3,120 that made up the early church came from Turkey, the Middle East, and Africa, and included Arabs and Romans. In addition to the geographic and ethnic diversity, they also spoke different languages. Yet they were made one family in Christ Jesus. Scripture has the answer to the issues we face today.
0: Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton Third. Public Policy Analyst for the American Family Association.
4: Here's some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or if like a lot of people, you just have a plan you're not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. It's a Christian healthcare sharing program. There are more than 400,000 members now, and they love it. In fact, MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to that of health insurance. And Medishare really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. It's been around more than 25 years. Members have shared more than 4 billion dollars of each other's medical bills. Plus, Medishare is for you. It has saved its members billions by advocating on their behalf. Best of all, the typical savings for a family is around $6,000 a year. So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. MediShare has a 98% customer satisfaction rating, and you are invited to be part of it. Call now. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE.
0: 833-44-BIBLE. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Remarkably, as Black History Month gets underway, the man who is arguably the most powerful black American, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, having served with distinction in that role for 30 years, is being aggressively denigrated by the left. Its operatives transparently seek to discredit and otherwise diminish a man for being a principled and impactful conservative. The present campaign does so by vilifying Justice Thomas's wife, Ginny, another principled conservative whom I am privileged to call a valued colleague. Leftist partisans in the media and their allies want to negate both Mrs. Thomas's effective public policy activism and the Justice's vote by dictating when he must recuse himself from cases before the court. Both Clarence and Ginny Thomas have exhibited immense courage, integrity, and independent thought over the years. They deserve our nation's thanks, not the left's scurrilous attacks. This is Frank F. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at sandy at afr.net. That's sandy at afr.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. The God who speaks explores the evidence of the Bible's inspiration and authority through some of the world's most respected
6: biblical scholars. The Bible subjects itself to historical verification. It puts itself at risk of inquiry. From the American
0: Family Association, The God Who Speaks. Available now at thegodwhospeaks.org.
1: All right, Sandy Rios back with you. Uh, So something life-giving for this segment uh, really, really honestly, the source of our hope is the God who speaks. No question about that. And he still does speak. This film was released in 2018. We talked about it at the time it traces the evidence of the Bible's authority through interviews with some of the most respected apologists, scholars, and pastors in the evangelical world, and across the spectrum of, uh, of seminaries and authorities. People like R.C. Sproul and Alistair Begg and Norman Geisler, Josh McDowell, Albert Moeller, Alex McFarlane, Frank Turek, uh, Doctor Lutzer of Moody Church, and on and on. It's just a long list of a uh, discussion about how God speaks, and also, especially, I think, how we can make the case to our neighbors and our friends that God is real and He still is active and living in our day and time. To discuss this with us today, because as of today, we are making this available for free viewing. You can go to thegodwhospeaks.org to watch it for free. Now, that's going to be the point of our discussion today. Plus, you can also uh, get this pack um, of—it's a special limited edition set— that includes the documentary, which is award-winning, hours of bonus material, including a brand-new behind-the-scenes featurette and an eight-week Sunday school kit intended to strengthen your confidence in the Word of God. And then also a printed discussion guide booklet, booklet and a Bible timeline poster. So this is, a, this, is a, this would be an incredible study for your church. The producer of this film is with us this morning. He is M.D. Perkins. He's the Research Fellow of Church and Culture for the American Family Association, and he primarily works on producing great documentaries like this for the American Family um, uh, Studios. And uh, MD, thanks for joining us this morning.
6: Yes, thank you for having me, Sandy.
1: So you know what? When you do something like this, there's usually a reason why you this kind of inspiration comes to you. What was that for you, MD? Why this?
6: Well, the the topic of the scriptures and our understanding of of how god has communicated to us specifically in the scriptures is such an important part of of the christian life and what we do and say as a christians what we do and say as a church how we live the christian life the way that we know all of those things for sure is the things that god has communicated to us in his word so the idea behind the god who speaks was to to take um, to take three aspects of of the scriptures, you know, the theology behind it, the doctrine of the scriptures, explaining how did we get God's revelation, how do we understand terms like inspiration, inerrancy and those kinds of things, and then the idea of apologetics and knowing how we got our Bible physically, what, what were the, the steps and the things that took place in time and space in history with people and to answer some of those objections that people might have about that. And then practically, knowing the God of the Bible to point us toward obedience, faith, and love toward God and toward neighbors. So that's the whole idea behind The God Who Speaks, and that was the inspiration behind making the project. All
1: right. So, um, you know, when you work on something like this, unless you don't have a personal connection with God, and I know that you do, MD, you can't do something like this and put it together without – uh, receiving fresh revelation fresh uh uh fresh inspiration and i'm just wondering you know it's i know it's been a couple of years now but when you were doing this and you were listening to these these men uh speak you know powerful words what part really touched you
6: oh man <laughs> there were so many so many moments in this process i mean one you know like you said there's a dependence on god that you have to have when you're when you're dealing with something that is this important and this crucial and this outside of our own realm of experience. I mean, obviously we're Christians. We grew up hearing a lot of things about scriptural truth, but there's a dependence on God that you have to have. And the the interactions with some of these uh, scholars, you know, I just, you know, for me, there was a, there was a personal connection with, uh, for instance, R.C. Sproul, who's since passed away uh, since our interview of him. But, you know, he's someone who was so so formative for me as a young Christian, and his clear, concise thinking, the ways that he was able to articulate the holiness of God, and uh, and and the reverence for the Scriptures, and the ways that as Christians we needed to to come to these issues. Um, so, I mean, there were there were a lot of impactful moments, but really, some of those some of those ideas of just, you know, I mean, I'm making a project about the Bible. And it's so easy to neglect the Bible even in that process from a personal devotional standpoint because you're just so focused on the task. You're so focused on the work. It's easy to kind of lose sight of the fact that I'm not just making something um, you know, for, for these other people. I mean this has to be something that I'm personally experiencing the life-giving power of God through the scriptures. And I have to have that relationship constantly stirred and, and renewed each day.
1: You know, when people listen to this, they're probably thinking, well, you know, okay, that sounds very impressive. You're going to have Norman Geisler, R.C. Sproul, Alistair Begg, Josh McDowell, uh, D.A. Carson, Kevin DeYoung, Erwin Lutzer. I'm I'm not mentioning, I'm not even touching. You've got so many different people, Carl Truman. Um, So that sounds great, but that sounds, you know, kind of boring. Like you're, you're going to have me sit there for a full feature link and listen to all these guys lecture. How did you handle formatically? How did you handle making this interesting?
6: So there were there were several aspects to that. Um, first of all, it, this isn't a lecture time. the The idea behind the documentary was to to br- draw the audience into the experience of knowing God. And so we start at the beginning, God creating the world, and we start to shape and and ask certain questions that the audience might be asking of themselves as they're coming to this project. How did God speak? Why does this matter? What does this mean for me? And start to draw those out through these interviews, weaving together with footage from from Israel, where all of these things happened. Because that was part of the point of this project was to make uh, contemporary audiences realize that these th- that the scriptures that we hold in our hands are based on true events and true people that actually lived and and did things and spoke and you know interacted, and those happened in real time and space. And you can go to Israel and you can see these places. And we had access to the Shrine of the Book. Uh, where they have the Dead Sea Scrolls, and we had access to so many amazing old manuscripts from throughout the history of the church, so part of the the point and what we were hoping to weave together is something that the audience experiences as this overwhelming collection of evidence throughout the years in the history of of their own faith i mean this is This is going back for generations and millennia. So uh, you know sometimes we get so locked into the here and now that we forget that there was a time before America or before we had the bible in the english language and so there's there's all kinds of that history that's interspersed and woven in throughout the throughout the documentary
1: you know, I, I can attest, too, that the more you study God's Word and the origins of it and the history of it, the, the, it builds your faith. It does, the, they just ask uh, any random atheist who decided they would study it and, not, and, and go untouched. It's not possible. So it is revolutionary, and it's certainly not boring. It's, it's, it's very exciting. And uh, this, this video, is, this, is, this presentation, this feature-length film is exciting. And you will not be bored for a second. You will be inspired, and it's a great way to share with other people. So what's the end game here? We're making it available for free for a short time at uh, the, the dot org. Mm-hmm. But uh, what's the goal here, uh, MD? We want, uh, we want Bible studies. We want churches to use it. What, what would be the ideal outcome?
6: Yeah, so first of all is just go to org and watch the movie. If you have questions about it, if you've if you've heard it advertised on the radio or spoken about, but you haven't had a chance to actually go and watch it, go to org and you're able to sign up for our AFA streaming platform for free and register to watch it there. And then if you want something that you can hold in your hand because you're a physical media person, I appreciate that, I am too. So um you can you can give to the ministry and receive the, that four-pack uh, special limited edition set, which includes the Sunday School curriculum, so you can host a a small group session or a Sunday School class in your church to dig in more deeply on some of the issues that we cover in the document.
1: All right, just another another wonderful offering from American Family Studios. You guys have just done some wonderful things, MD, and let cool. me congratulate you Thank on you. that. Impactful <laughs> and and this is one of this is a jewel. It really is. So go to. Uh, thegodwhospeaks.org, thegodwhospeaks.org while you can and watch it for free and then just see what you think. I think you're going to be inspired and you're going to want to share it. MD Perkins, thanks for all your hard work here for us uh, at American Family Association. And thanks for your you know, passion for the Word of God and for evangelism. We so appreciate it. makes a difference in everything I talk about every day. This is the hope that we have, the living hope, and that is our Lord Jesus. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.